Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Sorry. Rachel, you got to get locked in. I'm so locked in. I don't know if that's the case. I'm so, oh, because I was two seconds behind saying my name. Think about how much time that actually is in the show. Uh, we're not, we're not, not, I'm not dealing this energy. Mercury's in retrograde. Don't know it's what it means. already been a day. Don't want to know. My butt hurts. True. It's facts. Why? Because I did squats and deadlifts back yeah, to back. You need to finish the sentence. <laughs> That's the end of the sentence. No, I mean, my butt hurts because. What? What's wrong with saying that your butt hurts? No, I mean, like, you just left me hanging. I'm clearly like, why does it hurt? But it feels like your response to no, that don't is try. indicative nope. of something. That's why you said that. What would it be indicative of? I don't know. Can no. a man not talk about his butt? He can, but okay. I want to know why. I don't know. I'm don't saying Don't try it to my set butt. me up for something. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not set anybody up. You responded. Yes, I want to know why. I think everybody in this room, they're laughing in the back. Chloe couldn't care less. <laughs> Chloe, Chloe's back there Chloe adjusting Chloe is the net. always unbothered. Do you notice that? Chloe is Chloe, always Chloe unbothered. is like 22. <laughs> she has the soul of like a 56-year-old woman. <laughs> I saw like I saw Chloe outside smoking a Newport. Like, I come in here, Chloe's on the side. I'm like, hey Chloe. She's like, hey baby. Chloe could care less. I saw Chloe smoking a Newport. Like she, she I need some of that energy when I you know what? You would have said my butt hurts, and Chloe would have been like, So today on the podcast we're talking about, she That's wouldn't even she yeah, said. she wouldn't even entertained it. She'd have said, you know what you need to do, baby? <laughs> no, you say you got a hurt butt. Mama Chloe going to tell you what you need to do. That's probably the devil. Um, so look, um, I like to troll people with my workout videos now. I put two workout videos up today. I saw one of them. It looked great. Yeah, um, I deadlifted 270 today. Yeah. Yeah, 278 who, who are you times. trolling? Oh, because people talk about like hate the way you're doing it. They hate it. They mm-hmm. hate my deadlift. They hate the way I box. Everybody's like, oh my God, you suck. Whatever. Y'all going to get these videos. I'm so excited when I'm in the gym. I'm in the gym. I'm at the Knox. Equinox. I'm at the Knox. I'm going Is that hard. What they call it? That's what I call it. The Knox. We got eucalyptus tiles. You don't even step foot into the Knox. Oh, I know you have. I can't afford it. It's a lie. I looked into a membership. It's just a little out of my range. Rachel has a pool with the waterfall, guys. It's facts. Deny it. That doesn't mean anything. Hold on. Just, just, just hold on. Just, just real quick. Real, just, just well, that's real quick. where my money went. That's Deny where my Equinox money went. I'm saying, is it, is it true or false, though? True. Don't, I don't want to hear it. That's where my Equinox money went. How about that? You can't. I don't want to hear the stuff. Now, you might not want to go to Equinox. Maybe you and Brian just do the bar. I can see you guys just. <laughs> but if you don't, it's not because you can't afford it. Um. So, yeah. I, I, I'm sore, but I'm getting it's it's better though. Good, you know. Yeah, because you're getting butt, in there. You go every, how many days a week do you go to the gym? I'm in there every day, even on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I'm not lifting every day. Doesn't matter. You're there every day. But sometimes that's impressive. Sometimes I go there. You know, I hit the heavy bag. I, I hang around. I talk to Bruce. It's the guy at the gym that I talk to sometimes. I talk to Al. That's impressive. Um, so you know how we always joke about my hoarseness. Your on, what? Me being hoarse. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why did you have such a strong reaction? <laughs> my hair, my ears hurt. <laughs> Do you know how we always joke about my whoring? I was like, no, we don't. You thought I said whore? I thought you said whoring. Yeah, my whoring. <laughs> like, you know how we always joke about my outline? I'm, like, uh, I'm like, no. Okay, we don't joke about that. My hoarseness. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's gotten to the point where like, I've been kind of like, I guess they call it texture in your voice since June. Mm-hmm. And so I finally was like, I got to go to an ENT, man. I I'm, I might have even asked you for an ENT. I don't know. You got a doctor for everything. And I finally went to the ENT. You do. You're like a hypochondriac. That's, that's two of them in a row. You got a doctor for everything. You're a hypochondriac. But that's you, two shots. You, like, I could have sworn you actually said that said on I'm this podcast. What I said was, <laughs> I'm a man who has an ailment and then goes to get it checked out. That's what I said. But go ahead. I'm listening to your story. <laughs> I went to the ENT finally because I'm like, I'm starting to get shooting pains like in oh my, my God. like in my throat and it's hurting my ear. And when I was a kid, I had my tonsils taken out. I had tubes in my ears. So like I had issues at a... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. I don't either. <laughs> I like that. you can't even picture <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. When I was a kid, I had my tonsils taken out. I had tubes in my ears. What the to, fuck is going like, on over Like tubes fall out. Like I had like ear infections. So okay, I always fine. had like yeah. ENT issues. So I go to the doctor and she tells me that I have a polyp on my throat. Oh, that sucks. And so, like, we joke about, oh, Rachel's horse because she had a good time and mm-hmm. I'm always losing my voice, but I actually have a legitimate issue. I'm more so saying this for, like, don't laugh about issues. Like, I tease you for going to the doctor all the time. I'm a person who will put off going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I finally went because it's just so bad. Like, even as I'm talking to you now, my throat hurts. And turns out I have a polyp. So what I actually have to go through a whole process of, it's not cancerous. Like, mm-hmm. she's not worried but about that. they have that. to cut your neck open. They have to do okay. open neck surgery, wow. right? No, no, they have to. It could be allergies contributing to it because mm. moving out here, it's been all messed up. So I have to get an allergy test. I have to do like a nasal spray. I have to do kind of a, a neti pot thing. Mm-hmm. And then when I come back, because I'm going out of town for a couple of weeks, when I come back, I have to get like a throat massage person. There's a name for it. And I have to do. <laughs> You're disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know. Let me let me, let me embrace my Chloe. All right. Go and ahead. I have to, to go to a vocal therapist. Wow. And if none of it improves with that, because I'm constantly talking, mm-hmm. if none of it improves with that, and like one side of my throat is overworking to compensate for it, like it closed, like it's it's like inflamed and everything. God damn it. Yeah. So if I don't, then I have to have surgery. Damn. So moral of the story is you, I could it could have been better maybe if I had actually had an issue and gone to the doctor. Do you do they give you like a like a like a there's like some steroid that'll shrink it though? They, no. No. Interesting. No. I mean surgery is like the worst case option, but she's mm-hmm. just basically saying right now your voice is like you're overcompensating for what's happening. If it doesn't get any better, it's only going to get worse. So Bullshit. Let's Oh, you don't you don't you don't believe the doctor? I think it's the whole thing is bullshit. I think that Should I get bu- a second opinion? No, I think it's bullshit oh. that this is happening oh. to you. <laughs> Thank you. Sucks. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I have a thought. Okay. I think that MC Hammer possibly dances better than Chris Brown. This that comment makes me think that you didn't you don't care about what I said. I've already processed <laughs> it. I've given the care and I've moved on. MC Hammer dances better than Chris Brown. Here's the thing. Where did this come from? I was thinking about it, and then when you were telling your story That's about the That's what you were thinking about? No. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Why am I here? <laughs> wait, wait. No, no, no. I was thinking about it before, and then as you were telling the story, I was thinking, MC Hammer shouts a lot. I wonder if he ever got a polyp on his throat. <laughs> oh, and I think that he, it's possible. Does he still shout? I think that it's possible 
that MC Hammer dances better than Chris Brown. Because what we've done now is we've gone straight from Michael Jackson to Chris Brown. And almost everybody... That is true. There's disrespect Uniformly there. gives it to CB, who's a fantastic dancer, an amazing dancer. I've seen recently some video of MC Hammer. And I think it's possible that MC Hammer actually dances better than Chris Brown or for the times that his dancing was at least as effective. I mean, there's a dance named after him. He obviously needs to be in the conversation. Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him was one of my favorite movies growing up. I bet it was. Did you like it? It was okay. I loved Hammer, though. I loved Did Hammer. <laughs> the big time Hammer I used to fan. watch that movie all the time. Hammer was so great. Uh, too legit to quit. Adam's Family Groove. These were my joints. <laughs> Rachel, we are going to open up this polyp situation to the Thought Warriors. And I want all of the Thought Warriors to... I don't want uh, your medical opinions, but I will take, like, should I get a second opinion? I might well, need to get a second well, just, opinion. I mean, maybe not medical opinions, but maybe there's some sort of homeopathic thing that they can help you with, and then we can kind of get that thing going. So That's great. Rachel's, so here's the thing. It's Operation Hashtag Rachel's Throat. So uh, everybody help Rachel with the polyp. We got to see what's going on because I bet my mom has some stuff. Oh, I would love, I would actually love to do that. I'm, I'm absolutely welcome to that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have some like, again, I'm not rushing to have surgery. That is like just a, she was giving me the worst that possible yeah, scenario. That's not it. But I would definitely welcome your thoughts with that. What I don't want thoughts for from the Redditors is all the people who felt necessary to give me an opinion about my post to my story yesterday. What post your story? So I'm going through some personal shit and somebody sent me an uplifting podcast to listen to that, and you know this, and happened to be Joel Osteen. Mm-hmm. I don't attend that church. I don't listen to him on the regular. I am not familiar with all things Joel Osteen, but I loved the message and it was actually right on to what I needed in that moment. And so I thought, wow, this really spoke to me. Let me share this encouraging message to other people. Not, I, again, I don't know the whole history. What I would have appreciated is some people, and some people did, right? Some people wrote me and they were like, oh, thanks for this message. Some people did write me and they were like, hey, I don't know if you are aware of this about Joel Osteen, but, which I wasn't. But a lot of people, Redditors, were in my DMs or letting me know what was being said on Reddit. And they're talking about the N-word video. What? No. Oh, Joel. They, Joel I didn't Osteen's even, I didn't N-word see, video. I didn't even see that. They he were called t- one time Joel they Osteen t- called, I, don't, I didn't even know that. He called the uh, his some of the people, some of the black people in his congregation, niggers of Christ. Jesus Christ. I never, ever. Is that true? Or are you fucking with me? That never happened. Okay. No, that's not what they were saying. But they were, <laughs> I was like, What? <laughs> Richie, it's okay. Richie doesn't know if he can laugh at that one. Richie, you can Richie, laugh. R- Joey's laughing. Joey, Richie, Joey. R- Richie, Richie, it's okay. Listen, you can, can you imagine Joel Osteen niggers from no, Christ? That's what, it was so outrageous. <laughs> it was so outrageous. I couldn't. What are they talking about um, with Joel Osteen? The um the the fact that he's makes millions of dollars <laughs> and he didn't open up his church so that people could come in during the hurricane. I, that, or, that, that I know. But they were basically saying that, he, I guess, he said things that were homophobic. I'm not aware of that. But again, well, I'm open evangelical, to... Evangelical, so... I'm, but, like, that doesn't mean that every evangelical feels that way. So <laughs> I... 
I don't go to a church where they talk like that. Or I didn't go. I don't, mm. I'm not in Dallas anymore. But my point being is I'm, I didn't know that. But I'm obviously welcome to people saying, hey, Rachel, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this. It went from that to people all up in my DMs. You're trying so hard not to laugh. And it's okay, Van. You can smile. You can laugh. It went to all the What are they saying in DMs? It went to me waking up to people telling me that I'm a Republican, that I'm a conservative, <laughs> that I have, ho- uh, like, I've said homophobic <laughs> things myself in the past. Y'all need to chill the fuck out. <laughs> like, honestly, if you want to educate me on something, I got it. But to attack my personal character and then use it as a, a, a like a forum to hate on me. If you hate me for other reasons, just hate on me. That's fine. But if you want to lie on me and talk to me about my about my character and then totally go against everything that I stand for. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that I'm none of those things that I just listed out. That's a whole other issue. Like people were on there. I'm not a fake social justice warrior, if you want to label somebody in Nation as that, there are plenty of other people that you can do that to. Truly, I'm not the one. I am not the one. And I I don't understand these expectations that people have of me or the... I I don't get it. But maybe you should expect more from people in Nation rather than using it as an excuse to harp on me, right? All you expect from the people is to post pretty pictures. But for me... You want to use it as a pile-on when obviously none of that is true. That's what I woke up to this morning. Can I play a little bit of devil's advocate? You love to. Go for it. Just a tiny bit. I am on your side 100%. I know you are. Of course. Do you think that it's possible that people expect more from you? Obviously. Because you've set a standard that they identify with. Absolutely. But if you do follow this podcast, because I'm more vocal here than I am everywhere else, mm-hmm. then you would know that I'm clearly not those things. Mm-hmm. But people, it's the people who already want to hate on me. But like, just don't jump to that conclusion. Like, just to wake up with that energy this morning was just like really set me on the wrong path. Like, really got on my nerves. Mm-hmm. Yes, people do ho- hold me to a higher standard. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I acknowledge that. I'm welcome to you educating me on a on a problematic past of Joel Osteen, Right. I'm not a member of his congregation, but the message spoke to me and my whole intention was that I thought that it could it could be uplifting for somebody else who might be going through a very similar situation. Mm-hmm. But instead, you know, I'm damn near a white supremacist. So, um, and we'll move on. I obviously understand what you're talking about. I also understand the fact that being from a Southern Christian background, that you don't always have some of these guys have fucked up views, right? Absolutely. Some of these guys have fucked up views. We have to do a job. Uh, uh, we have to do two things. Number one, we have to hold guys like Joel Osteen and other people who might not be moving along as fast as we want them to, to a higher standard. Right. Um, and at the same time, we have to understand that sometimes in people's past, in their upbringing, there are certain things that deal with the gospel that speak to them. Joel Osteen has a, uh, um, a message that I once literally verbatim spit out to people because it was about how anxiety can take your life over. But if you have faith and trust, then you can um, you can decimate your anxiety, okay? Mm-hmm. I get what people are saying, and it's important for us to have these conversations. Yeah. But I will say, if you don't trust Rach or you don't trust me, that's one thing. That's cool. But if you trust Rach, if you trust me, which... 
I make it very hard for you guys to trust me because I'm trying to keep you off balance. There's a way that is nourishing Mm -hmm. and productive and constructive to voice any concerns and complaints that you might have. Accusations aren't a part of that. Um, Personal vitriol isn't a part of that. And she doesn't deserve it. So leave her the fuck alone. But like, I'm like, I'm used to being hated on from from like that group of people. But right, now let's not make it an opera. No, okay. but I'm just saying like to jump to that. <laughs> no, I get it. Like, I, get it. I don't I don't usually speak out when people have a whole lot to say about me because I'm just so used to it. But that one really got to me. Yeah. And again, now I like for the people. Thank you to the people who educated me on a problematic past. I had no idea. And I appreciate that. And I welcome that. Hmm. But for the rest of y'all, respectfully, fuck you. Thank you. Oh, I was waiting for it. All right. So, you guys, we had a lot of fun doing pleasantries. I can assure you that the fun in this podcast is almost certainly over. <sighs> you know what the big deal of the day is. On the other side of this, it's Jacksonville. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life with premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay, Jacksonville, Florida shooting. Uh, Racially motivated. Three killed at a Dollar General store. Um, A white gunman with a swastika emblazoned assault rifle killed three black people. So on Saturday, Jacksonville, Florida, Dollar General store. Angela McHale Carr. Anult Joseph Lagun Lagur uh, and Gerald Gallen, Gallion, 29, 52, 19, and 29. Angela Michelle Carr was 52. Anult Lagur uh, was 19. And Gerald Gallion was 29. The gunman was identified as 21-year-old Ryan Christopher Palmetter from nearby Orange Park. Uh, he wrote a manifesto. This manifesto had racist writings. He used racist slurs, according to Jacksonville Sheriff T.K. Waters. Um, now, <clears throat> here's a couple of things that we don't know. There were reports that when he walked into this store, he told all the white people to get out, and then he opened fire. Mm. There was a press conference done by the sheriff's office, and they could not corroborate that. Okay? They don't know if that was the case. It's a detail. Um that would make the shooting somewhat more salacious. Mm. But given what we know about the shooter and his ideology, it probably wouldn't change very much. We know why he wanted to kill black people. This is some of the audio from the press conference. The Clay County Sheriff's Office, who has been assisting our agency with this investigation, received information after the shooting that the shooter had authored several manifestos, one to his parents, one to the media, and one to federal agents. Portions of these manifestos detail the shooter's disgusting ideology of hate. Plainly put, this shooting was racially motivated and he hated black people. He wanted to kill niggers. That's the one and only time I'll use that word. I want to be very clear that there is absolutely no evidence that the shooter is part of any large group. There's not a whole hell of a lot to be said here about the epidemic of mass shootings. There's not a whole hell of a lot to be said here about the vicious racism that exists in America. So I'm asking... Because we've, because we've done it so many I times. Know. So what do we say? Hmm. Seriously. It's a great question. It's like a broken record. You're right. I mean, 
what do we say? You could say the same things that you've been saying before. What do we do? I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I guess it's frustrating to me because we're struggling on what to say because we've talked about it. It's like another day, another racially motivated shooting, whether mm-hmm. against it's against Black people or somebody else. So we're struggling on what to say, but then we're watching this unfold and I'm watching it be the same thing. This hateful tragedy happens. The sheriff gets on and talks about it, particularly this sheriff gets on and talks about Actually, Donnie, you can play the audio. The story is always about guns. This, the people are bad. This guy's a bad guy. If I could take my gun off right now and I lay it on this counter, nothing will happen. It'll sit there. But as soon as a wicked person grabs a hold of that handgun and starts shooting people with it, there's the problem. The problem is the individual. So once again, here we are where it's not guns don't kill people. It's people do. We hear that talk. Then we know that whatever politician whose state this is in is going to come and give their speech about how this is a senseless tragedy. Uh, We're going to talk to the families. This has to stop and we're going to do something. It's the same cycle over and over again. And I guess I just want people to realize you tell us that you tell us that we live in a colorblind society. You make laws that reiterate that. Yet here we are with another racially motivated shooting. We live in a country where we're told guns don't kill people, people do, yet there continues to be a lack of monitoring and prevention to not allow these people to access these guns. Then the same people who are telling us that guns don't kill people, people kill people, they won't vote for bills that would address mental health services or the expansion of them in this country. So if people are the problem and it's a mental health issue, then why are you voting against bills that would help or throw something towards helping these people who do have mental illness and it is racially motivated to stop using guns to kill people. That's what I guess I'm just like frustrated with and why it's so hard to talk about it. You're telling us that these things don't exist in our society, yet here we are again with it happening. Yeah, so the consistency of the argument from issue to issue doesn't even make a whole lot of sense, right? Mm -hmm. With guns, it's people. Mm -hmm. With climate change, it's either circumstance or a hot weather fairy or whatever. Um, I think there are a couple of things that bother me. We talked a little bit about this. Specifically about this epidemic of mass shootings. Mm -hmm. One are the red flags that are continuously ignored in these particular instances. This guy right here had been detained for 72 hours um, under something called uh, the Baker Act, okay? Um, It's reportedly. 2017, law enforcement detained him for 72 hours under the state's Baker Act. Now, you guys, the Baker Act is something in Florida that is very controversial. It is something that allows a mental health professional or someone else to place you under a psychiatric hold for um, a specific amount of time because they think that you're a threat to others or to yourself. Mm -hmm. There are people that have argued that this is being used irresponsibly. I think in 2018 or 2019, there were 37,000 Baker Act holds that happened Mm -hmm. in the state of Florida. So it's not something that's without controversy. What it does demonstrate, though, that what it does demonstrate in this particular situation is that this uh, perpetrator had a history 
of illness that someone thought, mental mm-hmm. illness that someone thought was significant enough to place him on a psychiatric hold. That's not uncommon in these mass shooter scenarios. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this a little bit later. The Pulse shooter was actually on two federal watch lists, the Orlando Pulse shooter, two federal watch lists at the time of the shooting. So when he bought the guns, he was on two different federal watch lists mm-hmm. for things related to his mental health, but also to things related to some um, activity that people thought that he had that might be linked to terrorism. Mm -hmm. The Virginia Tech shooter in the fall of 2005, the chair of the English department was privately counseling him and urging him to seek counseling uh, because of his increasingly violent behavior. Had asked the Virginia Tech police to look into him, which they did. He had been looked into uh, on separate occasions at the behest of other students by the Virginia Tech police. All right. Not only that, but Nikki, Via, Nikki Giovanni, who was a professor at Virginia Tech at that time, was so afraid of the Virginia Tech shooter that she threatened to resign if he was not removed from her class. There was a long list of mental illness in this particular person's life Sign after sign after sign after sign after sign. Mm -hmm. And then he killed people. Um, James Holmes from the Aurora shooting and the the Aurora shooting in uh, in Colorado. I've been seeing a doctor named Dr. Lynn Fenton. Um, She testified that she was so concerned that he might be a danger to the public that she contacted the police and his mother. Um, What she says is a violation of healthcare laws, but she did it anyway because she just knew that he would kill. He had been talking about killing for a long time. There is a, a YouTube account, and I don't know why I look at stuff like this, called Documenting Evil, where it talks about all of these people and the things that they've done. And there are very few of these cases where there are not clear warning signs. When I say clear warning signs, I don't mean, hey, this guy is a little sketchy. He doesn't talk to people. Right. I mean, where people are so concerned that they alert the authorities and try to have these individuals committed or counseled in some sort of way. My thing is this, mental health in and of itself is not dangerous. Just because you have a mental health disorder, that doesn't make you a threat to society. What does make you a threat to society is acting out on some of the dysfunction of the illness that you might have. Sure. When people see that you are a threat to society. In this particular case, or in these particular cases, should I say, these people that even demonstrate deviant and dangerous behavior, we do not have a fail-safe to stop them from obtaining these weapons. Every single person that I'm talking about in this, and it goes much further than this. I just want to get into all of these things. They were able to obtain these guns legally anyway. Anyway, despite the fact that everyone in their lives believed that they had this capability for violence. So in certain places where there are no background checks, a couple of these, the, the person didn't show up on the background check. One of them in, in, in Virginia Tech, there was a technical error with the background check to where it was filled out, it, it, it went through, and then it ended up being a situation to where they didn't even have the right person. Actually, that was in, it, this was in the Orlando shooter. They didn't even have the right person that was going for the gun license. It's so poorly organized, right? That's, a, that's an issue. The Aurora shooter tried to join a gun club. Mm-hmm. And after hearing a voicemail that he left, 
The owner of the gun club said, if this guy comes in, don't let him shoot with us. You know what I mean? So what I'm saying is, there has to be some seriousness on some side of this issue. We could talk about the fact that this guy has been radicalized in the state of Florida by a lot of what he's hearing. The fact that the right has front page a lot of these culture wars and made them their entire existence is going to have violent ramifications. Sure. If you are a person that is espousing all of this stuff, if you are minimizing people's rights, minimizing their expression, minimize when they're allowed to say who they are, how they're allowed to be studied, you're dehumanizing them. And the easiest thing in the world to kill is something that's not human. We have to remind people how human and special they are for them to really prioritize human life. Mm -hmm. And so the more we dehumanize people with policy, with rhetoric, things like this are going to happen, okay? So we have an unwillingness in all phases of this, an unwillingness to deal with the rhetoric, to deal with uh, making black people second-class citizens, um, blaming black people. When we talk about blaming, I want to get to some of the reaction to this. Blaming black people and, and gay people and Latino people, black, brown, and Latino people for all the ills of America, right? Making them the reason why America is not quote-unquote great. Mm -hmm. So we have that, which we can't talk about with the other side. They're unwilling to have the conversation. And then, forget about the guns for a second. The guns are obviously the problem. Obviously the problem. But what you get is this entire row of talking heads that say, hey, we have a mental health crisis in America. Okay, cool. If we have a mental health crisis in America, how about we stop the access to dangerous firearms that I think an AR-15 platform was used here by people who we deem mentally ill? Do you know why we can't do that? We can't do that because the gun control radicalists say sure. that any, any deterrent to someone being able to buy a gun, a fucking bazooka, whenever they want, is gun control and will lead to the outlaw of all guns. We can't have a rational conversation about how to keep people safe in terms of the rhetoric. We can't have a rational conversation of how, about how to keep people safe in terms of the weapon. And we can't even have a rational conversation about how to keep people safe when we're, when we're dealing with the mental illness situation here. So there's really nothing that we can do. Nothing. Like there's, there's, like there's nothing that we can do. And even if we do vote and we run out to the ballot box and we elect people, do they have the nuts to take on the NRA? Do they have the nuts to actually demand really common sense legislation that they're, we talked about Tennessee. In Tennessee, they decriminalized a situation to where if you give your gun to somebody and then somebody else commits a felony with your gun that you can't be held responsible. That's the level of idiocy that we're dealing with. And so I really, you guys, I don't know if you guys come to higher learning for answers or not. I got nothing for you. Well, there aren't any. And I mean, and to piggyback on what you just said, it goes into what I was saying about the fact that they're lying to you. They're saying that there's a mental health crisis, but then they vote against it when it comes to actually taking some sort of action. I'm not even saying that the legislation passed, right? Because they were outnumbered, but they vote, people voted on party lines. And so when they voted on party lines, all the Republicans voted against it. I'm not saying that if they had voted for it, it you know, it 
things would necessarily change and we wouldn't have ne- these tragedies because I think a key thing that you point out is that there's a breakdown in communication. There's a breakdown in protocols and procedures as far as them being able to still access these guns. And then you're talking about the state of Florida that just loosened their laws again as recently as July of this year when it comes to gun control, or I should say, the lack thereof. So when I see it to Santa's, stand there, or even the sheriff, stand there and say, people people want to talk about guns, but it's really the people behind it. Or I see a DeSantis say, we have to do something about this. You literally, you signed the bill in April and the law passed in July for you loosening the gun laws in the state of Florida. So what are you really trying well, to do Well, leadership isn't, leadership isn't legislating based upon what people like. Leadership, I know people think that, leadership is legislating based upon what you think keeps people safe. Sometimes you have to make decisions that even parts of your own constituency might not like Mm -hmm. because you are supposed to know better than them. You are supposed to be able to look at all of the things. You're supposed to represent their interests, no doubt. But at the same time, what you're not supposed to do is continuously puppet Mm -hmm. and, excuse me, continuously parrot Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the loudest voices in your constituency that don't care about anything other than their own personal, personal uh, freedom and not the health of an entire society. And that sounds weird. It sounds weird when I say people care about their own personal freedom rather than the health of an entire society. I don't think that sounds weird. It does sound weird to a lot of people. But I'm telling you right now, Restrictions on your personal freedom in the interest of an entire society is what civilizations are based upon. And we just have to negotiate what those things are. In other places, you might be free to do all kinds of crazy shit, free to discriminate against this person, free to harm this person, free to do all this. We make a decision for the good of us about what we should be doing and how we should be acting. Let's look, let's listen to some of the idiots on this. Vivek Ramaswamy went on Meet the Press and blamed black people for this. Facts. I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not overstating it. He blamed black people for this, essentially. Play it. Well, I do believe that racism in many cases is manufactured in a way that creates more racism in this country. I cannot think of a greater way, Chuck, of driving racism in this country than to take something else away from someone based on the color of their skin. And so is there existing racism in the United States? Of course there is. But those last burning embers of racism, the last thing I want to do is throw kerosene on it. And yet that's exactly what I believe the modern culture is doing by creating race-based quota systems that deny people access to goods or services based on the color of their skin. The right answer to stop discrimination on the basis of race, as John Roberts said it, is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. And I am genuinely worried that we're seeing a new wave of anti-black and anti-Hispanic racism as a consequence of the so-called anti-racist movements. Your argument comes across as blaming those that are trying to create equality for the rise in racism. Well, the fact is, Chuck, I don't want to be playing a blame game. I want to be going towards a solution. And I am genuinely worried that those who earnestly espouse the view. I'm going to quote Ibram Kendi from his book directly. I'm not putting words in anybody's mouth. Says the right answer to past discrimination is present discrimination. The right answer to present discrimination is future discrimination. I believe the people who hold that view are earnest about it, but I think they're wrong. And I think that that's actually creating more discrimination and more division in our country. 
And I think the right answer is actually to restore colorblind equality, colorblind meritocracy, embrace what unites us across our diversity instead of celebrating our skin deep diverse attributes. That's how I think we reunite this country, Chuck. And it's not blaming anybody else for having a different point of view. But I do think that as a leader, it's my job to articulate exactly how we will unite this country. Uh, Mike Pence has a thought on how to deter people from committing these mass shootings. This is what Mike Pence said. I also believe that justice delayed is justice denied. And I'm calling for an expedited federal death penalty for anyone engaged in a mass shooting like took place in Jacksonville or, or frankly, like the shootings that took place at, uh, at, at a baseball park and, and at a football game. We, right. We've got to send a message to anyone that has evil in their hearts uh, that there is no chance uh, for them to spend the rest of their life behind bars, that they're going to meet their fate uh, in months, not years. Uh, and I believe, uh, I believe an expedited due process a federal death penalty for those that engage in the kind of mass shootings that claim lives in Jacksonville yesterday is an idea whose time has come. All right, just so you guys know, the perpetrator in the Jacksonville shooting killed himself. Exactly. And uh, by and large, with a couple of exceptions, these people commit suicide. They want to, they, they, they don't care about life, their own, and definitely not the people that they're murdering for hateful reasons. I mean, hmm. not that I expected Mike Pence to say anything that was towards the issue, but he really said a lot of nothing there. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy said that uh, whenever you take something away from someone, uh, it throws kerosene on the embers of racism. That's to suggest that some of the DEI, I'm going to say what he's saying. What he's saying is that some of the DEI, some of the CRT, um, or some of the discussion around race in a contemporary matter over the last 10, 25, 15, I don't even know how long. I don't know what I don't know when there's a period in America when we haven't had robust discussions on race. I guess he feels like that uh, frustrates people to the degree that they have to go in and they have to kill people. That's that is such an obscenely disrespectful, tactless, stupid, ignorant, and an honestly racist thing to say that I just don't understand how he is not roundly criticized for even intimating that. If there's never been a time in American history where black people haven't been on the menu. Sure. There hasn't. I'm sorry that that's inconvenient to everyone. It's just a fact. I know that you guys believe and you want to believe that you live in a country that used to kill a bunch of niggas and then one day they stopped. It's not true. They found different ways. They stopped maybe whipping you to death and they started feeding you to death. They made you kill each other by putting you in a deprived situation and saying, hey, fight for this last fucking hamburger. You know, it's just like, it's stupid. And so for Ramaswamy or anybody else to say that, well, the fact that we won't stop demanding that America has a conversation about race mm -hmm. then emboldens white people mm -hmm. to do things like this shows either an intentional misunderstanding of American history or what I also, what I more to the point believe it to be, 
um, an intentional minimization of the issues that black people face. For the purpose of? Connecting to a base. Yes, exactly. For the purposes of saying, hey, you know what? Maybe things like replacement theory, uh, maybe the nonstop culture war that has been propagated in the furthest right uh, portions or, or, or furthest right whatever of, of American political thought, maybe those things are actually radicalizing people. Because the fact of the matter is these things happen to a degree more on the right than they do on the left. Mm-hmm. It's a fact. People that say, hey, I'm going to get up and kill gay people today. People that say, hey, I'm going to get up and kill black people today. People say, hey, I'm going to get up and kill Asian people today. Like, this is, there's a a section of the populace that indulges into this. And it's it's just the way that it is. Right. Um, And so, rather than take some responsibility and some leadership there for any of these guys and say, you know what? This is going to make me address how I talk about race and culture when I'm out on the campaign trail. Say, no, same thing. You niggas are dying, it's your fault. And it's not your fault in this situation because you're killing each other. It's not your fault in this situation because you're drugging yourself. So what you have to understand about being black is it's always your fault. If you kill each other, it's your fault, not the economic situation that you're in. You know what? A lot of people are going to go with that one. Pick up a gun, you kill somebody else, they're going to say, whether or not you're poor or rich, you didn't have to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ki- if if a white person kills you because they're mad, they pick up a gun and they decide they want to kill everybody that's in the Dollar General. Well, that's also your fault because you won't let racism go. Right. You've made him mad. He's been he, he's upset because you won't shut up. You won't shut up about, about racism, your injustices about your injustice, and now he's got to kill people. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like it's. It's almost liberating. That they're being so honest? No, it's liberating for me because, you know, I have an anxiety disorder and it causes me to harp on things and not be able to let them go. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. There is nothing that you can do. There's no way. There's nothing. Mm. There's nothing that you can do. Like, there's, you can't get through to them. The only way to win is to defeat them. And the only way to defeat them is solidarity. There's nothing. You can't talk to them. You can't reason with them. They're going to go on these things, these big platforms, and they're going to say, hey, that guy walked in there because he's mad about DEI. And the only way to save it is a PragerU video that teaches your kids that fucking Frederick Douglass was a guy with a cool haircut. That's the only way to save it. That's the, that's the, only, way to, the, only, way to, the only way to save it is a fucking PragerU video <laughs> where Christopher Columbus tells you why slavery is cool. If you don't subject yourself to that, you can't win. You can't win. The only way for a black person to win in America in the eyes of some of these people is full-on bending the knee, subjugation, dehumanization. Watering down your blackness. Yeah. The only way to win is to be less black. Yeah. DeSantis got booed. Well, Next. <laughs> he went up there and tried to talk to the people. They're not feeling him. Just for fun, play it. <laughs> Make sure there's adequate security for Edward Waters College. We are not going to allow these institutions to be targeted by people. Listen. 
Let him talk. Let him talk. Okay, listen, y'all. Let me, let me tell you, we finna put parties aside. Right. Okay, and it ain't about parties. No. No. A bullet don't know a party. No. So I'll get me started. Okay, Jacoby is nice, but Ann is not. Now, if the, if the, if the governor wanted to come here and he bringing gifts right. to my community, right. y'all know I'm taking right, the gifts. Cause she getting on my nerves. Like it, it like I, I, I feel what she's saying. Good for you, sister. But, um, it's not about parties, but it's also not. The it's time. not about parties. It's not. It's not also not the time to, to give out. I mean, the the typical speech that you could probably just pull out of your desk and read because you've been reading it so many times. It's also not the time for just words. It's also for the time for actions. I I totally understand the booze. Yeah, of course I understand the booze. He spent the last X amount of years, um taking things away from black people. And, and trying to change the narrative. black. On, and trying to change the narrative and be a revisionist when it comes to the history of black people in this country. If we can't have a conversation about this stuff, we certainly can't have a reconciliation. All right. Um, I have a message to black people as well, though. Um, Fox News contributor says that black lady told him that Trump is a gangster after a mugshot. That means he has cred. This is Raymond Arroyo who appeared on the Ingram Angle. Talked about Trump's mugshot. So I posted this thing on, on the old Instagram. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't. Uh, I posted this on Instagram. I want to get everybody on this. If we can talk about it, if we can stop looking at my crazy workout videos and, and focus, you see me in my body. I'm so sexual. Um, I posted on there. Profile here, if I bring it up. I posted, this is the message from Laura Loomer. The black vote is going to come out strong for Donald Trump in 2024. They just arrested Trump and booked him in the blackest jail, blackest, in the state of Georgia on phony trumped-up charges. Fonnie Willis just made Donald Trump the most relatable man on the ballot for the black community. It's Donald Trump versus the man who called black people super predators. Hashtag Trump 2024. My caption was, these, black love, these blacks love a criminal. Now, there was more than one person Black people in here who said that maybe I have this wrong. Oh, which that which what do you have wrong? Posting it, your caption or whatever you're about to say now. That I have it wrong. When I assume that saying that these black people love a criminal. Is incorrect. God bless you. Thank you. Do you think that black people, black culture in any way likes, values, and has an affinity for criminality. I'm not asking, we're, we're having an open conversation here. I'm not asking for any platitudes from anyone and anybody can jump in here. Do you think that black people have a fondness in any way for criminality? Hmm. Do black people have a fondness for criminality? My straight up answer is no. Mm-hmm. However, I think that for certain people, it can be glorified for you to be a criminal because it fits a certain narrative for you. Expound. Like a rapper. Like a rapper. Like a rapper, right? It's not frowned upon for you to partake in some criminal activity. You rap about it. You brag about it. It's seen as giving you some type of credibility in that industry. 
But as a in a general sense, I would not say that black people love a criminal. Mm. But I do think that in certain for certain people, maybe in a certain industry, it's looked at in a different way. Okay. They like the rapper talking more about harder things than they do about the rapper talking about, I don't know, that they went to school. Mm. <laughs> that they went to school, they went to church. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I get it. All right, so I gave some thought to this and I tried to do it dispassionately. And this is my thoughts. Okay. Okay. So, black people don't have any specific love for criminality. In general, yeah. No. It's not true. Even in hip-hop. Oh, you don't even think it at all, ever? No. Okay. I don't think black people have any specific love for criminality. I don't. Okay. All right. I'll explain this. Okay. And I'll, I'd also implore people, when you're thinking about your people, who they are and what they are, to do it in a holistic way. Okay. To think about the totality of things. Okay. So, number one, I think America likes a criminal. That's the first thing. America. And it might take a little bit of historical IQ to understand that, but I'm going to challenge people to, to get it. I'm going to challenge people to understand that in the wild, wild west, Billy the Kid, Jesse James, Doc Holliday, all of these people were written about as if they were stars. There were comic books written about them. Now, when we first talk about lawlessness, I'm not going to talk about all the immoral things that people did before mm -hmm. then. But when we first talk about lawlessness, I'm the marshal. I'm the law. American law. The law in the West was the gun. And people who could kill a bunch of people, people who robbed a bunch of people, they were made heroes. Mm -hmm. They're still making movies about these guys now. They're still delving into their lives, how complex they are, what they did or did not do. The coolest character in Tombstone is not Wyatt Earp. Coolest character in Tombstone is Doc Holliday. Mm -hmm. I'll be your Huckleberry. Mm -hmm. All right? A killer who has a moral center. The archetype of that has existed in American folklore and been worshipped by America as long as there's been in America. You can fast forward 30 or 40 years to the public enemies era of America where national heroes were made out of Babyface Nelson, Bonnie and Clyde, John Dillinger. At a time when the country was economically depressed, anybody who would grab a Tommy gun, go into a bank, hold the bank up. Mm -hmm. There were places like St. Paul, Minnesota that were sanctuaries for criminals. If you come from St. Paul, Minnesota, you might be related to fucking John Dillinger or Babyface Nelson or any of the rest of these people. That whole public enemies era of America, these people were celebrities. After those people became celebrities, a new version of American criminality came in. El Cosa Nostra. The most popular shows in American history, The Sopranos, The Wire, Breaking Bad, is about people acting deviantly in terms of society, but who have moral centers, the type of stuff that America likes. They like people that break the rules that they set, but for reasons other than the fact that they're just a lowlife. Criminality, rebelliousness, all of that stuff is baked into who we are as Americans, okay? This country is founded by a bunch of guys who broke the law, threw a bunch of tea into the harbor. Criminal act, maybe a terrorist act 
when you look at it, but they were right for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I think what black people sometimes latch onto is this same spirit of, hey, we just like somebody that has all the fly shit, doesn't matter why they, why they have it. But also, we understand the situations that create the attitude that says, I don't want to go work where you tell me to work. I don't want to go learn where you tell me to learn. I'll get it however I have to get it. And so, because that person might be in closer proximity to you, you don't love them because they're a criminal. You love them in spite of what it is that they do. Them doing that doesn't disqualify them from your love because you get where they're from. There are people in my family who are drug dealers, drug users, robbers. We know these people. We love these people in spite of what they've had to do. We know where they came from. We don't love them because they rob people. Mm -hmm. We don't love them because they sell drugs. We love them in spite of it. Rap and street culture is a different thing. There is a part of rap and only a part. Maybe the most popular part, but only a Correct. part. Correct. We've talked about it on this podcast. Only a part of rap that demands that you be street in order for you to be a huge, huge success. There's a part of it for sure. Sure. I would caution people, though. I would caution people in even giving power to black people in propping that up. Because the reality of it is, it is not black people in America that made hip-hop the most dominant form of black expression. That was white people. And the same reason that white people love a criminal in the form of Tony Soprano or Vito Corleone is the same reason why they like a criminal in the form of 50 and who he used to be Mm -hmm. or Hove and who he used to be or anybody else. That is what they like. Hip-hop is now in a situation where the tail is wagging the dog, where we see that projecting a certain image of ourselves is financially viable for us, so that's what we do. That's what we do. What, what I mean is, look, if, if the, when, and you can look at hip-hop and say what it is, it's a heavily trendy thing. When it was about lyrics, everybody was lyrical, or at least they tried to be. All right? When it was about um, selling drugs, everybody was selling drugs, or at least they were trying to do it. When it was about singing on your records, everybody started doing that too. I'm not saying that a lot of these people don't have backgrounds that, re- that are real and true to what they're saying on these records. I'm saying what's selling about these records is not necessarily what black people want to promote. It's what white people want to buy. And they're buying from the black community the same thing that they've always bought. The same way that America has always been fascinated with that. But what we then do, and I'll stop after this, we then internalize this and do two things. Number one, we say, God damn it, we love a nigga who who breaks the law. And we make it that simple. We make it a problem in us. We make it our problem. God damn it, we love a nigga who breaks the law. What's wrong with us? And the second thing that we do is we make that portion of black culture the entire thing. Like I heard people saying, well, in our music, and I love everybody that was commenting, but I heard some people saying, well, in our music and in our culture, this is what we do. No, in hip hop, black black music is more than hip hop. The black experience is bigger than hip hop. My mother doesn't know who fucking Pooh Shiesty is. Like it's bigger than that. 
So there's a part of it. The only reason why we think it's the most powerful thing and it's our entirety is because hip-hop, by and large, is the thing that white people have invested into the most about black people. Hip-hop, by and large, in our athleticism... I was just about to say, ...is the thing the that, they, that they have invested into the most. Sure. In a way, corporate America tells the story of hip-hop if we don't. And that way, corporate America can then tell the story of blackness. And then we believe it. And then we say, hey, like, God damn it, that's dope. You guys, I'm telling you right now, there are very few people out there who are now going to ride with Donald Trump because he has a mugshot. That is such a reductive way to look at 40 sure. million people. Sure. I'm finished. Sure. I agree with everything that you're saying. I don't subscribe, as I said at the beginning, that Black people love themselves a criminal. I think it's a... I agree with what you said, and I think it's a really interesting point in talking about what white people love about Black people, and particularly to music, and they're the ones making it popular. The reason that I talk about, I say, when I talk about rappers, when I talk about loving a criminal... I guess I'm thinking of the conversation that we had about drill music. And we talked about, you played the song of people bragging about who they killed. Mm -hmm. Is that white people doing that? Or is that a sector of music that bra that commits a certain crime, brags about it, and it becomes popular to rap about that particular thing? Okay. I think, I wouldn't say in general that that's what hip-hop is, mm -hmm. but there is a sector of it where it is glorified. And maybe, yeah, like white people are buying the music. You go to these rap concerts, that's who's in the audience. But I would say that there, there are black people in the community, maybe it's super small, that do glorify and praise that. And that's not just coming because white people are buying their records. I agree and I disagree. Okay. Okay. So there are certainly white people, there's certainly black people who, based upon a lot of different things, white supremacy being one of them, take pride in how savage or crazy or whatever they are, for sure. But I want you to think about drill music. Think about drill music in and of itself. Having covered this when I was doing hip-hop homicides, mm -hmm. we would sometimes see people come to King Vaughn's mural across the street from Parkway Gardens in the south side of Chicago. I never saw one black person doing it. I never saw one black person leaving out of their hood or wherever they're from. Some of these people fucking Scotland. All right? Never saw one black person doing it. Never saw one black person going, hey, I got to go here and take a picture in front of King Von's Mule. I'm sure that it might have been. I never saw it. This is what I'm saying. The drill scene, all of the customs and all of the things that surround drill music, the smoking, all that stuff, all of that stuff happened um, organically. All of that stuff comes from things that they're doing based upon an, really a war. They want to say a gang war, but it's actually a war that's happening on the South Side of Chicago. All of that is real. It's really happening to them. The mass marketing of it and the star-making arm of it, black people don't control because they can't control it. They don't control it because they can't. Can't control what? They can't, black, like, there's no, like, black people can't make Chief Keef a superstar. Interscope's got to do that. So when Interscope comes in and makes Chief Keef the biggest deal, 
Chief Keef is everywhere. His music is everywhere. There's no responsibility from the corporation or the record label to police what Keef is saying in his rhymes. And maybe they shouldn't. The spread of that and the drill culture from Chicago to London to New York to Jacksonville is done by capitalism. And capitalism's loyalty is to money. So when we say that this becomes black culture everywhere, no, what, what be, what, what's everywhere is capitalism. And people see, no matter how they were rapping in Jacksonville before this, no matter how they were rapping in London before this, no matter how they were rapping in New York before this, no matter how they were rapping in the South or, or whatever before this, they see that's what they like. So because that's what they like, well, that's what I'm going to do. Now, does that mean that you don't come from a violent place wherever you are? Sure, sure you do. But what you also see is the further you go, the more violent and out there you get, the more that's in it for you. And we're seeing that everywhere. Like, the reason why these kids are on this, on social media, like, describing the people that they kill and legitimately incriminating themselves is because because the more brazen you are, the more it works out for you. That's why you would run in some place and punch somebody in the face and then run. That's why you would go to some place and piss in the aisle and then run. It's because it's working for somebody. Now, if we want to make that a cultural thing, that's fine. But what I'm saying is, when we start looking at who we are and who we really are, our music and our expression has always come from a reflection of, of what we do. I'm I not, agree. I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you don't agree. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm saying whether it was Muddy Waters with a guitar talking about his life, whether it was jazz in New Orleans, blues, wherever it is, rock and roll, we talk about it, we do it. And then when it hits big, we see how it changes. In the 60s, the way it changed was they said, we don't need you black people to do it anymore because we got some white boys. And these white boys will do it. And when these white boys do it, that's the deal. Now, it's like whatever the fuck is going to sell. And this is the only thing I'll say. The only way to undo this would be to set standards in the music that we listen to, right? All of this stuff is a commercial. It starts to get to a point to where you don't know whether or not you actually want to buy it rather than if you're buying it because someone's telling you you have to. Like you're sitting down and you're not hungry and then a McDonald's commercial comes on and then you go, shit, do I want a quarter pounder? You're sitting down and you're not thinking about fuck a bitch, kill a nigga or whatever. And then you see a video with somebody doing it and it looks so fun. You think, why do I want to, do I need an op? I, I, over the last 10 years, I've heard so many people beg for enemies. I've heard so many people go, if you don't have a hater, you ain't nothing. If people don't hate you, you ain't nothing. What, what are you, t- I didn't hear the temptation saying that. But you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like I've heard so many people beg for enemies, beg for smoke, beg for it, waking up every day with a different enemy. And so, like, all I'm saying is, like, none of this has to do specifically with the experience of being black. This is an amalgam between blackness, the situation of it, in terms of one one part of it, one part of it, which is the depraved um, or the the, the depressed or uh, deprived part of it, not the depraved, the deprived part of it, that mixes with American capitalism, that mixes with how we perceive each other. 
the moment that we start to really examine who we are and not examine who we are through the white gaze, we'll really start to know ourselves. White gaze. White gaze. That's what I say. It just sounded like white gay people for a second. Like white gay eyes. So I'm like, <laughs> I just want to be clear. Anyway, so I'm saying right now is nothing black about being criminal. Yeah, you want to take down your post? No. <laughs> Not taking it down at all. Because like, oh, I was doing, I still, I, look, these blacks love a criminal. No, white people think that. And y'all niggas might even think that, but it's not true. Goddamn, <laughs> Joel Olsen was right about y'all. Okay, look. <laughs> Kiki Palmer. Oh, that's where you're going? Did you really think Kiki broke up with, with her boyfriend? Okay, knew, so Kiki I Palmer. Her, didn't. So Kiki Palmer and her boyfriend posted a video of him taking her out on her birthday. Got all the people talking. I didn't think that's, that's, I don't know if they're boyfriend or girlfriend, but that's the father of her child. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I did not not think they were together. I didn't really think that much about it. But people, were people upset? You know, you love to read the comments and do your little autopsy. I, like, I, I, I don't know what people were saying, but this didn't shock me. I don't, um, I just say that, like, y'all, these lives that y'all pour so much into, these people is real people. And they go home and suck on each other and they don't even be thinking about y'all. They don't care what y'all think. That part. They, like, these people go home and they be curled up. Even if it, even if on Monday they mad, they don't be thinking about y'all when they all curled up like a pretzel. Y'all get y'all bent out of shape like y'all some pretzels. And then they go home and do the Kama Sutra and they pop back up and all y'all do is get mad. Stop! Concentrate on your own shit! Yeah, but they, but they also, I mean, Kiki was fueling the fire and loved it too. Yeah, but by the she way, because she knew y'all would respond to it. Right. Well, once again, she has a, a new song, a video. But once again, that goes back to what I'm talking about. It's all for show. It's nothing's real. See, uh huh. That goes back to what I, it's all for show. It's all to get y'all all bent Some, out of shape. Somewhat, yes. And then they're gonna be spooning. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for the both of them. They are a beautiful couple with a beautiful child. So I'm happy for them. Get some business. Okay. Coming from the guy from TMZ. Uh, Rachel, real quick. I got, we got to get an apology <laughs> rating real quick. Um, finger looking good. Did you see this? You see KFC? Azim Akhtar, the director of marketing for KFC Canada, he, he excitedly shared images that depicted the reflections of two black men and a woman of color in silverware as they ate chicken and licked their fingers. Sorry utensils. It's finger licking good, the latest campaign said. Couldn't be more proud. He tweeted. It. <laughs> <laughs> a cast of white, black, Asian, and old people from various walks of life. They're showed eating fried chicken. A silverware goes unused and plastic cutlery is thrown by the wayside. Reiterating that the food is finger licking good. My earlier post didn't capture the full diversity of our latest campaign, and I am personally I personally apologize for not being more thoughtful in my excitement to share the campaign and only sharing certain photos. Here's the 62nd spot that is more representative of Canada's diversity and our creative. And that's the one that has a white, black, Asian, old, and young people in it for 60 seconds. Listen, if you're not aware of the stereotypes of black people with fried chicken, you should not be leading the KFC new finger-licking good campaign. Did he really apologize? I mean, I guess he used the word apologize, but like, come on. 
What? <laughs> Sorry, utensils. It's finger looking good. Couldn't be more proud. And like, you guys have to, if you haven't seen these images, please Google them. These people have their reflection. He, they were billboards. The reflection of them eating a piece of chicken. And I don't mean eating a piece of chicken. I mean, like, their eyes are closed. You see, like, they are deli- like eating with their whole being into taking a bite into this chicken. If you aren't aware of what the, the, of what that's going to one, to do the campaign, and then two, to then tweet that, oh, I was, couldn't be more proud, like, your apology is bullshit. It's so, a two. So it's a two. You don't you don't like the you don't like the fucking apology. You're not fucking like. Right. Come on, come on. So look, this is they my have, thing. Their whole heart, they're eating that piece of chicken. This is my thing. Um. <laughs> so look, but look, so look, so look. Like this is my thing. Okay, so look. Look, I feel I feel both ways about this. Number one. The only time I don't like chicken situations with black people is when it's made to look like we react different than the for the fried and chicken and everybody else. And it does. Because like there'll be like a Popeyes commercial, and it'll be like, and we've talked about this before. White person bites chicken. Oh my god, that's so good. A black pe- uh, 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 Asian person bites a, a piece of fried chicken. Wow, this is really juicy. A black person bites a piece of fried chicken and it's like, mm, and that's what we saw. Oh, I love <laughs> this chicken. Ooh, baby, I got Popeyes. I'm like, yo, man, come on, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like, can we just? We like everybody likes fried chicken, and that's okay to say. It's okay to say that we like the black people like it. It's okay we to have black it. people in your ads. I would be in a fried chicken commercial. Would you? Yeah, I would go to the counter and I would order a, a two-piece dark spicy. Uh-huh. But you're not going to have me closing my eyes would you eating dance? the piece of chicken. Remember I when Mary dance? did the chicken commercial? <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> I, do. I wouldn't dance. Dame Dash, I wouldn't sing. Dame Dash blamed Steve Stout for that. <laughs> <laughs> like Dame Dash. Dame, da- Dame Dash blamed Steve Stout. You got to know better. For Mary J. Blige. And the chicken commercial, uh, but okay, but why? Why can't they? He's from Canada. They they have different chicken standards. No, come on now, like stop. <laughs> you don't feel like Canada has different chicken standards? Wait, was it Burger King or was it chicken? It was Burger King. It was Burger King's chicken tenders or something. <laughs> it was no, you know, but like I. I know people get mad at me when I say this. Yes, maybe some cultures don't understand the the correlation between black people and the stereotype that exists with black people and fried chicken. I'm going to say that I do think they do in Canada. I mean, your ad heavily featured black people and it was the black people that were just fully indulging into themselves, into the fried chicken. Come on. Come on. Okay, let me ask you this then. Fine. What is the acceptable amount of enjoyment for a black person just, to... Just what I said, ordering it. I don't want to see, at this point, I don't want to see a dance, a song. Um, I don't want any type of sound effects. Maybe a smile. Chicken smile. Give me your best chicken smile. Like, Rachel's gonna... Rachel, for the people that are watching, 
Rachel's going to eat a delicious piece of fried chicken. No, what? I'm not going to eat it. That's unacceptable. What? In a commercial, I would never eat a piece of chicken. Wait I would simply order it. I'm not. It's it's not good. It's wait, not going to be a good wait, look. Wait, wait, wait. So I'm never eating it. You would never. Wait a minute. That, don't make, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You would. You would. You're not going to eat. You would be in a fried chicken commercial, but you wouldn't eat the chicken in the commercial. I would go to the counter and I would order it. I would say, "Excuse me, um, hi, how are you doing?" I would like. Where's my camera? Hi, how are you doing? I would like a two piece dark spicy fries and a soda. Okay. And I would smile as I grabbed the bag and I walked out. I'm not opening the box. First of all, I'm this not, is a lie. This I'm a not, lie. I'm not on a commercial. Yeah. I'm not no, doing it. No, no, you're going to do it. No, I'm not. You're going to do it. it Are you doing it? So I'm a representative of Big Chicken. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Miss Lindsay, I know that you have your reservations about eating the chicken. I'm already can. walked away from the table. You're not going anywhere, nigga. <laughs> we need to talk to you about this chicken. We got $15 million. You just turned it to the colonel. For two commercials about this goddamn chicken. You know, you're I out. I can't. I'm going to live Bullshit. forever. Chloe, would you would eat you, it? For would $15 you, million? Dollars? It, I just can't be. So I can't for, coon. For I can't coon for 15 because that's what, what you, that is. See what you did? I can't coon for see 15 what See what you did? See what you did? That's what it is. Let me finish, though. Let me finish. Let me finish. $15 million, I'm going to eat the chicken in the pro-black way. I'm and what's wear, that look like? I'm going to wear an Asada shirt. Forget, no. <laughs> That's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't subscribe to the chicken shame. The I chicken shame is over. I don't either, except for exactly how you put it. I'm not going to sing. Okay, okay, the look, way they're eating okay, in so that look, picture. Let me Please tell you this. put that up, Donnie. Something. I'm not going to sing for the chicken. I'm not going to dance for the chicken. You gonna close your eyes? I, I would and eat, eat the it. chicken and be like, "This is this is that's some cool. great chicken. That's cool. <laughs> hey, hey, some great chicken. This is some great chicken. Coated for the chicken. I put the no. chicken. I put the chicken in my fist like this. <laughs> that's how he did it. All right, all right, Man. that's enough. Y'all get serious. Stop, stop letting people make y'all hate yourselves. I'm Van Lathan Jr. <laughs> I'm Rachel Lynn. Take thing caps off. Do not stop learning. Bye. <laughs> Crispy chicken. 